Ms. P has a background in public health with an emphasis in health promotion and prevention. She is also a certified health education specialist. She is dedicated to providing quality, comprehensive sexual health information from a 20-ish perspective to promote positive sexual health. She provides an all-inclusive, no-judgment, open, and fun environment to gain the information necessary to ensure that all are taking the proper steps necessary in pursuing a more positive sexual health overall. So this was a really fun episode. I'm very excited to share this with y'all. So please join me in welcoming Miss P to the show. Hey, good morning, everyone. Today, I am happily joined by Miss P. She has a master's in public health and health prevention and promotion. She's also a certified health education specialist and the creator of the Real Deal Sex Ed podcast. Can you introduce yourself, Miss P? Hi, everyone. I'm Miss P. Uh, Background-wise, as she stated, I have a master's in public health, health promotion and prevention. Um, I have the Real Deal Sex Ed podcast, which pretty much came about just over time. I have always been interested in sexual health. And as we all know, a lot of the sexual health that we get in school is pretty uh, specific on do not have sex, and if you do, these are all the diseases you can get, and that was pretty much it. You know, we learned about the menstrual cycle and things like that, but I remember, if I remember correctly, um, that was probably like in fifth grade, and they actually split, split the class up, like from boys and girls to teach us about that, and in my mind, it's like, boys need to know just as well as girls. They will have, you know, sisters, mothers, aunts. A lot of people that will menstruate in their lifetime. And yeah, I just wanted a a way to just provide the educational information to people that may not get it in any other way. Specifically, you know, the younger high school, you know, maybe early college when you're talking to your friends, you know, trying to figure things out. So Beautiful. Yeah, I had pretty much the same exact experience. We had a class in fifth grade. It was split between boys and girls, quote unquote. And I can tell you that I know these men (laughs) don't know anything about female anatomy, girl. (laughs) Like I could tell they were not educated in the female anatomy. So it's, it's a shame. And I think in 12th grade, I had a health class where they just showed us pictures of STIs. And like the teen mom era is when I grew up. And I just remember feeling so scared that I was going to get pregnant as a teenager. So there was a lot of shame and scare tactics around sex. Oh my now. God, yes. <laughs> you can definitely have sex that is very well protected, but also have a good time with it. Mm-hmm. You know, there is, they need to educate on that. You can have a great sexual experience. You just have to incorporate, you know, communicating with your partner. You know, and I know that's hard for some people, you know, if you're shy or if you're new to it, but you have to walk through those avenues to make sure you're making the best decision for you when it comes to things. So, Mm -hmm. yeah, for sure. And thank you so much for sharing your sex ed background. I was going to ask you about that, but you just went into it. (laughs) I have yet to meet a person that's actually had a positive sexual health education experience, unfortunately. Honestly, me too. (laughs) <laughs> I mean, outside of like, you know, some social media, you know, yes. the sexologists and things like that. And even 
though they may have had, you know, more talks about it in the house, it still doesn't seem like it was associated with necessarily what we consider positive, like, you know, learning the correct terms for anatomy and things like that. It was just like, yeah, they may have said, okay, you need to use a condom, you know, if you're going to have sex or let's go, you know, get you on some birth control. So they were trying to steer in a direction of safety, it seems like, but it still wasn't a conversation on, like I said, the terms of the body, like, you know, things that can go right with sex. What are things yeah. to use? Like, you know, lubricant and things like that to make it a more enjoyable experience. And also, like I said, the communication piece with the opposite sex, because sure. when do you learn that? I mean, you yeah. interact with kids growing up, but, you know, some people, like I said, if you're shy, you don't ever get that, you know, just walking through how you should be spoken to by anybody in general, but just learning respect for self and mm -hmm. okay, the way you talk to me, I did not like that, you know, addressing it and then seeing if the behavior changed. And that goes into relationships that could, you know, turn into maybe like abuse yeah. or trauma because you don't know, this is not how I'm supposed to be treated. You don't mm -hmm. know if someone talks to me in a certain way, that's not healthy for me. That's changing my mind state on how I, you know, view myself or, you know, in the event someone may put their hands on you. And it's like, some people think if someone doesn't put their hands on them, they don't love them. Yep. And it's like, that's seeing some behaviors growing up that you thought, well, if this is all I see, this is all I know. Again, education. Mm -hmm. So... Yeah, so beautifully said. And we're just going to go right into it because I was going to save the consent and the boundaries piece till the end, but I think it's perfect okay. to start off. It's really good to start off with that because a lot of my audience are trauma survivors. I'm a domestic violence survivor myself. So, so okay. much about what I talk about on my show is healthy relationship, consent, boundaries. And these are a critical part of comprehensive sex education. So Definitely. can you talk a little bit about why consent and boundaries are so important and how do we establish that if we were never taught that? Um, I would say in that, like I said, finding those education avenues, even if it's, you know, not necessarily a person, but you, you know, either going to reach out to a counselor, maybe a mentee, maybe finding the information like online at different, um, you know, domestic violence websites. They have a lot of those. I know the YWCA, um, if you have one in your local area, they provide a lot of assistance and even education on those things as well. But a lot of it's communication wise, Honestly, you would have to go outside if that's all you know, and it's sad to say, but it would just be other avenues in my mind. Sure, sure. And what does consent and, look oh, like? Sorry. Oh, I'm so sorry. Yeah. <laughs> I wanted to ask, what does consent look like? Because a lot of people get intimidated around consent. They don't know what it means especially nowadays, people are scared to even ask for consent. So can you talk about what consent looks like and what it does not look like? <laughs> consent can be loaded to me. Sure. Um, I actually did an episode on consent. 
And what oh, wow. I consider as consent, and it's different for everybody. Of Some course. people need the to ask, you know, is it okay for me to touch you here? Is it okay for me to kiss you? Is it okay for me to hold your hand? Because you don't know what they've experienced in life that can, you know, deter those interactions. Even something as simple as touching your arm could bring up a response for someone. So it's different for everyone. I feel like I need necessarily someone to ask me, no, but there are things that lead up to it. If I'm allowing you to touch me, if I reach out to you, maybe give you a kiss myself, you know that you know that it's okay for me to give me that kiss back. Okay, if I'm allowing you to touch me here or touch me there, and I'm allowing you to go further, but being also vigilant and knowing to say, if there's something you're not comfortable with, could you please not touch me there? I'm not ready for that. Could we please not go this far? Let's say kissing. Maybe you go into the fondling. People don't like to say foreplay, but I will still say it. You know, that type of stuff. Some people are okay with that. They don't want to advance to sex or maybe insertion of fingers into different canals and things like that. But they can, it's just, again, communication is such a big thing. And I hate to keep going back to that. But for me, it's that. Or knowing the cues. If someone is, you see them, you're looking at them and they're visibly uncomfortable. Seeing that in your mind, I'm not going to say something should tell you because people grow up differently and they think differently, but you should stop and say, you know, are you okay with this? I see that you seem uncomfortable with this action. You know, can I go further? If not, then let's back off of this. We can, you know, do something else. So it just depends on both people and what they're comfortable with and how far they're comfortable in saying what they do or do not want. And when people are, you know, inebriated or intoxicated in those type of things, that to me is an indication. I don't think you should not participate in sexual activity if that's what you want to do in those moments. But definitely if someone is, incoherent or passed out you need to stay away from them completely why are you trying to do anything to someone who cannot respond to you who is not alert eyes closed or even if they're open you they're literally zoned out in another state get a first of all make sure they're okay that's what you should be focusing on or if they need some type of additional assistance but sexual encounters should not cross your mind in that way if someone is incoherent and you can visibly see that so that's the whole another thing with that and um with boundaries you just have to you have to know sometimes you don't know your boundaries until someone does something and you're like whoa that was very uncomfortable i, I did not like that and then you have to be okay with the vocalizing that so that they know because people don't know if you don't tell them some people grow up in very you know that loving hugging touching you know, every time you see them, you have to hug them and tell them, I love you. Some people do not like to be hugged at all. So, yeah, it's just being comfortable and getting comfortable enough to say what those are. And if someone crosses them, acknowledging it the first time, don't let it go past. You know, don't, you know, not say nothing. I'm not going to say anything this time and just hope it doesn't happen again. Address things like that up front. So that way, 
if they do it again, you know that they're doing it in a place of not respecting those boundaries because we've already discussed this. Yeah, beautifully said, beautifully said. I think for me personally, as a, as a assault survivor, like I need to know beforehand if I'm going to be touched. And my partner is very affectionate, very like always wants to hug, always wants to touch. So I think the points you brought up are beautiful in communicating, setting boundaries often and kind of using your common sense. Everyone has a different upbringing and different past experiences. So it's kind of a learning process and seeing what you are and what you're not comfortable with. Right, right. right. I definitely agree with you. Yeah. And Sharita, I don't know if you wanted to finish your point uh, before I accidentally cut you off. <laughs> You're fine. And uh, I don't know if you had anything else to share on domestic violence resources or seeking help or if you just completely forgot your train of thought. Um, right now. <laughs> well, the YWCA is like the main thing I know because I know locally we have that. I know they have, you know, different shelters, you know, with the Salvation Army and things like that. I could definitely like look up some more and like send them to you and you can like, you know, you know, put those out there. If you, I'm sure you know of some yourself, you know, but I would definitely look into more, but those are two that I know in my area that offer those resources, you know, in domestic violence occurrences. Hmm. Yeah. I'm happy to hear that. So kind of circling back to healthy relationships, what do you think are some red flags and green flags for what makes a relationship healthy or not healthy? Ooh. <laughs> um, in healthy relationships, I think communication. And in that, I say communicating, listening to what they're saying, not I'm just listening so I can respond back to you. Listen, yeah. take in what they're saying. If you If they're saying something and you don't understand, Ask questions. People are scared to ask questions or tell people to elaborate on what they're speaking on. And it's like, if you don't understand, you just don't know. If you weren't raised a certain way, you don't know. So that, um, like we talked about the boundaries thing. If you have boundaries that you know up front, I would kind of walk into that from a conversation standpoint because you don't want to just throw, oh, these are all the things I don't like. You know, within the first like two conversations of meeting somebody, because obviously that can, you know, turn them off or turn them away for something that could be positive. You just have to walk into it with the right attitude. So. Or. okay, And then also when it comes to healthy relationships around. Sex and even not sex, you have to be comfortable with you before you can be comfortable with someone else. I'll say that. So if you don't have a healthy relationship with yourself, a lot of times that can, you know, pour through in your other relationships with people and they make them not successful. And you keep going into these situations like, you know, well, what's going on? Like everything will be going fine. And then all of a sudden, you know, things just go awry. And a lot of times you have work to do on you. You have to build your own self-respect. You have to understand what respect means to you and for you. If you don't respect yourself, not to say it's okay, but how do you expect somebody else to respect you if they don't see you doing those same things? And what respect means to one might be different for the other. But when I say that, I do want to address this because a lot of people do this, especially with 
us lovely women, when it comes to like things that we wear or stuff like that, that does not negate the amount of respect someone deserves because of an outfit they choose to put on their bodies. Like if they think this looks nice for them, this is something that makes them feel, you know, beautiful and they want to walk out in something that someone might consider inappropriate, that does not negate the respect they deserve. So do want to put that out there. <laughs> but um yeah. I'm trying to think of some more points. My mind is all over the place right now. Um, <laughs> but yeah, I would say first thing, I'm going to say that because I don't want to like beat her, but self-love first. Once you get that down pat, interacting with other people, you will know when to cut things off. And I would say some green flags is someone that is definitely open and willing to listen to you. Someone who, once you tell them your boundaries, they respect them and they do not cross them again. And if they do and it's acknowledged, they are willing to openly and, you know, empathetically apologize. And, you know, they try to come up with tools and ways. So you guys will both be okay, you know, in the situation. Um, Hmm. someone who doesn't shy away from those hard conversations because that too in relationships you're going to bump heads nothing is ever going to be peaches and cream with any relationship whether it be friends you know romantic and things like that so just someone who's willing to work for the same thing your your end goal is which is to obviously have that great healthy bond or relationship whether it be friend or relationship Wow, awesome. Yeah, that was a loaded question, but you covered yes. basically everything. <laughs> Impressive. I, I completely agree. I think that the way that we treat ourselves sets the standard for how we expect other people to treat us. So if we don't have a great relationship with ourselves and we treat ourselves poorly, criticize ourselves, we tend to attract people that confirm how we feel about ourselves. So I think Definitely. starting there with yourself, with your self-respect, working on your self-esteem and kind of treating yourself how you would treat your child or your best friend. Right. A lot of times we treat others way better than we treat ourselves and we're overcritical of ourselves. And it's, we have to get away from that. I know society, you know, brings a lot of those things, even just from simple images on TV, but we have to work to love ourselves more. Mm. Yeah. That's a great message. I want to touch back on the sex ed piece. Um, I know that your goal and your amazing podcast brings quality, comprehensive sex information from a 20th perspective to promote mm -hmm. positive sexual health, which is really cool. I love that, that idea. So I want to ask why is sex positive education important, the comprehensive piece, and how does that contribute to overall good health and wellness? Well, I think sexual health is like any other type of health. So I'll start there. Um, it's just as important as mental health, you know, your diet, food, exercise. Sex is something the body needs and enjoys. And there are many, many, many benefits from sex with someone else and even yourself. <laughs> so I'll start there. And then being comprehensive, I would say educate. You need to know all pieces. You don't just need to know STDs. You don't just need to know you shouldn't have sex. You don't just need to know you should wear a condom. 
you should know that you can experience pleasure. You should know that by having sex with oneself, you can learn a lot of things to help with partner sex if that's something that you're interested in. Because, you know, some people don't enjoy sex. What are, I'm going to say asexual. I don't like to do the terms because there's so many new ones and I don't know them <laughs> yeah. all and I don't want to mess up any. But, you know, some people don't, you know, they're not benefited from sex. But for those that are, a lot of times learning things about you, and that's something we they never taught anything about that. If anything, do not touch yourself. Or it was always, you know, shunned upon if, you know, the, you know, young boys were masturbating or things like that if they knew if the family caught them it was like a big deal oh my god what are you doing in here and even you know for the girls what are you doing why are you touching yourself you know and as the young people you have to navigate that because that's all a part you know even from a young child like two and three no they don't know those parts no they don't know what's happening but they're touching it because it feels good And that's where the conversation piece of, okay, you know, well, why are you doing that? Oh, well, this feels good, you know, okay. And then it's like letting them know, okay, well, it's okay for you to do this if this feels good to you, but where to do it, you know, you know, you can't just, you know, be sitting, not that it's shunned, but still that's, you know, somewhat of a private thing. So do this in your room. You know, do this in private time. You know, don't do this in front of other people. Don't do this on someone. And then don't let anyone else touch you there. You know, or knowing what correct touch is. I'm going to say that because, you know, when they're younger, you know, you have to bathe them and things like that. So just walking through that. Mommy's touching you here because I have to clean this area. Daddy's touching you here because he has to clean this area. You know, others should not touch you there. And that starts very, very, very early. And that's when you walk into the piece of terminology. Because as we know, things happen to kids, unfortunately, when it comes to, you know, sexual abuse and things like that, knowing the correct terms, very important. Because what I mean, I've heard plenty. I say some, and it's not even that I'm not okay with saying vulva or vagina. It's just growing up, we've heard so many other terms for it. Cake, bread, you know, coochie, things like that. So, you know, but when they're explaining, what if they are telling you that someone is doing something to you? And then they're saying, someone's touching my cake. And... You know, most adults, oh, you know, that's okay. You know, they can have a piece of cake, share. So you're telling them in their mind that what they're doing is fine, but they're trying to tell you that someone is touching them inappropriately, but they don't know the name for that. So, yeah, comprehensive. We need to start early, and then we need to walk you through, walk you through the menstruation cycle. That, for boys and for girls. I feel like a lot of times they try to separate. And I don't want to just say boys and girls because I know, you know, there are many other terms and many different things. With that, again, I don't want to mess up any terms. I respect any and all. So they need that education too, like I said earlier. They need to educate. Everybody should be in class together. What are we separating this for? They need to know. They're going to see it. And we don't want it to be, you know, an embarrassing in the moment. You know, or, oh, my gosh, do you see that? She has, you know, blood on her or this and this and this. They don't know. They're kids. 
And a lot of <laughs> kids, you know, overreact or make things more than what they can be. But that's what they know to do until they know otherwise. So I think it just contributes to, number one, pleasure. Number two, once you know things or once you know about yourself, it gives you a level of comfort before you get to the partner comfort that you would need. And then, I don't know, for me, it just makes life overall easy because sex has always been taboo or shamed and things like that. And it's like, why at some point or another, like I say, unless you do not like or enjoy sex, you're going to experience it in one way or another. So you need to know everything, everything. What's wrong with that? Mm -hmm. Amen. <laughs> Amen. Yeah, I was going to ask, like, why should we care? But you completely answered it. I think that it encompasses everything. It's not just physical and mental health. Sexual health is also a really important component. It's how we all got here. So why aren't we talking about it? And I agree. I think the separation of the genders early on creates this like shame. I like that you use the yes. word shame. It cr creates this secrecy, this privacy, this shame. And I also loved what you touched on with the appropriate touch and the healthy touch and teaching our children that and not using these kind of words out of embarrassment or again, shame, trying to cover it up. Because as kids, we have to know what is okay and what is not okay. So I really love that you brought up that point. So crucial. Yeah. Thank you for that. Um, also, you touched on so many things. God, I could go off in so many different directions. <laughs> but I'm, I'm sorry. <laughs> no, it's it's awesome. Thank you so much. What to you is sex positivity? Because from your stance, you're a sex positive, comprehensive educator. A lot of times, as we've been talking about, it's kind of this complete opposite with these shaming tactics these abstinent only education pieces. So where do you think the difference lies in that? What does that look like? Um, I think you have to embrace all of that. Cause some people are okay with being, you know, abstinent or celibate. Sure. And then some people want to enjoy the fruits of sex, whether that is with a partner, you know, or with a consistent monogamous partner or with multiple partners. Yep. So yeah, it's just, Putting it all together, and my you have to know all pieces, even the parts that we do, like. We all know. Well, I can't even say that. I take that back. <laughs> I take that back. You want to say that most people know about STDs and STIs and how they're transmitted, but then when you talk to people, you realize even the education that they thought they gave us in high school that we probably weren't listening to and tuning out. Yep. Yeah, we really need education from, like I said, from the smallest age possible to where you see that they understand up until 60, 70, 80. I know some 70-year-olds that's out here having a good time and are not thinking about STIs, are not thinking about, you know, protecting themselves. They just know I'm older, but I still have that feeling and I have this friend and he is, we having a good time over here. So you got to break it down from every standpoint. And they have some things that they can teach. They can teach you some things about pleasure, some things about erotica even probably, you know, so you just have to be open to all sources of information and also being able to identify when the information you're given is biased. Mm -hmm. 
Because you can pretty much, not you can pretty much tell, but you can tell. They don't tell you anything else. It's just like, you know, you shouldn't do this. Because it's in the, you know, it's you're supposed to be married first and things like that. Granted, look. <laughs> I could go off on a tangent on that, but I'm not. But you just, it's a lot of components to this. And life is not one way. It's not one track. Everybody is not going to be in the same lane. Everybody does not have the same thought. Even if you brought up in the same religion. As you grow older and you learn more, you veer off in your own direction. And you have to be okay with what you do for you. And I think people need to understand that they want what what's, what works for you definitely is not going to work for everybody or the next person. So get your information and do what you feel is best for you. And do not try to project what you feel is best on others. Give them all the information and let them take the information and do what they want with it. Preach. I think we all know a couple people like that who think that their way of living is the only right way. Yes. Like, what? Out of all of these people, you think everybody's supposed to live this way? That's, yeah, that. Yeah. It's closed minded. And I feel like the sex positive piece is embracing all of it. Like you said, it's not biased. It's not that a man and a woman have to have penetrative sex. And that's the only way. It's celebrating all genders, all sexual orientations all different types of relationships and it's not right it's not because there are many out here of course many 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 (laughs) and you have to embrace all of it you know yes they're all good it is what it is what they say love is love that's that's the god honest truth you Mm. want somebody to be miserable with somebody that they do not like don't think about twice in a day just you know for society's sake no ma'am no (laughs) ma'am hundred percent. So I'm curious, how do you think we can improve our sexual health and our relationship to our sexuality and our sexual bodies? Mm, I would say get to know yourself in all the ways that you can. Because if you know you, you can go up <laughs> from knowing you. I'm telling you. So I would definitely say knowing yourself, you know, and doing what's best for you, also making sure that you're making the most safe choices for you. And even, I guess, in navigating a lot of times with partner sex, even though, you know, we know this STIs, STDs are a thing. So in that, moving in that way, how do you even go about the conversation with your partner? Mm. You don't want to, you know... Oh, have you got tested? Oh, where's your papers? I want to see them. Go into a, from a, a conversation piece only because they're having sex with you too. So if they, you know, come into it, you know, we should do this together. Are you open to doing this together? And then if not, we can revert back to something else or, you know, you this not might not be it for me. So knowing how to navigate certain conversations when it comes to sex for you, what's okay for you? Are you okay with using, like maybe a, you prefer one condom over the other, or you can't use certain, you know, protective barriers because of, you know, allergies and things like that. So you have to, that's why I say get to know you and then your navigation with others will work for me. 
anyway. Yeah, I'm, I'm so happy that you brought that up. Um, and I would love to talk about kind of debunking the stigma around STIs and STDs because, Sharita, I can honestly say I'm 27. I've never had a partner ask me about my STI status before. I've always been the one to bring it up. And uh-huh. it's quite a shame because I think more, or more often than not, I think the statistic is one in two or one in three people has had or will have an STI. And I'm one of those uh-huh. people. And I think um, I had HPV and I know I contracted it from a partner who didn't know they had it because they weren't right. being tested. So I think it's so important to get tested after every partner and have that conversation around what barriers of protection are you going to use? So often than not, unfortunately, in my experience, it's been assumed I'm on birth control. So a lot of men don't even offer to wear a condom. So I'm yes. not sure what's going on in here, but it kind of needs to end. <laughs> yes, I feel you 100%. Yeah, so and let's talk about that. Because I just, that's, honestly, I think it stems back from growing up. Anytime somebody's ever mentioned my STD, oh my God, you're nasty, you know, you're disgusting, you know, that's something, you know, it's like a, what you call it, a scarlet letter? It's like a scarlet letter, and it's like, it's something that can happen. Yeah. I mean, it's no other, just like with anything else. That's like when you go outside and play. You could possibly fall and scrape your knee. Yeah. You could possibly go outside and walk down the steps and twist your ankle. Like, it's something that can happen when it comes to sex. That's something that can happen. People need to understand that. And there are ways to treat or, you know, even if it's not treating to like totally rid of it, it's ways to treat in which you can live with whatever and still be okay and still have partners. You just have to go about it in a different way. So we need to talk about STIs more in a positive light and not just, oh, when you get it. Once you get it and somebody knows, then they want to talk about it, but it's always in a negative way. So talking about it before, and it's just it's just having to have the conversation. I don't think that's something that's ever going to be, you know, 100%. You're always going to have the conversation. And it does, from my experience as well, it seems like it's always a one sided conversation it comes from the female i'm not gonna i can't say oh i don't know from my experience it's always come from me as well or it's like they'll come and like they won't have anything and it's like you knew what you were coming for (laughs) you didn't bring a condom well here you go i have one but it's having to be prepared in that way too so you know if you know sometimes you don't know so i would say always try to have what you need Mm -hmm. and even in that don't be ashamed to carry a condom either because a lot of times it's like oh i'm not carrying that oh i'm not buying that or you go in the store i'm not going down there and getting that and somebody's going to see me purchasing condoms somebody's going to see me purchasing lubricant yes Yes, that's what it's there for. So it's just talking about it more and seeing it more and people having the confidence to be okay to, yes, here you go. Look, pull out the box and wave it in the air at this point. <laughs> because 
that's the only way I feel like we can get past that. But obviously it's a conversation we have with our boys and our girls and we need it to be from earlier on. I'm not going to say that should be discussed necessarily, you know, first grade, second grade, third grade. But there are a lot of young people that are having a lot of different forms of sex as early as middle school, if not elementary, you know, so we got to start having those conversations. You don't want to because as a parent, you don't want to think, oh my gosh, my child is, you know, participating in sex. But at the same time, you want them to be prepared. You don't want them to be asking their friend mm. up the block the same age as them to come these questions and they don't know as well. Or they're going off some, you know, some experience that they had that may, you know, they may just be going off a tangent as well. They don't know. So they only giving you what they know. Or porn. So I feel like I went all the way off. <laughs> no, you brought up <laughs> so many good points. Thank you. I think um, first thing is we're not showing our four-year-olds pornography. We're teaching them Correct. age appropriate is the key word. Also, going kind of back to the stereotypes and the shame, I want to talk about that because, I mean, I identify as a female and I've had the experience of, I always carry a condom on me, but I've had the experience of buying plan B or pregnancy tests and feeling like that kind of awkwardness at the cash register. Yes. (laughs) So how do we like work to kind of reduce the shame around sex and sexuality? Opened up the conversation to the older generation too. Yeah. Because that's where a lot of the shame come came from or comes from. Yeah. Not saying that they've done it intentionally, but it wasn't discussed before them. Their parents didn't talk to them about it. And if they did, it was probably the same. I remember what did my grandma when young girls used to be pregnant or get pregnant, like in school, they would say they had like, mm. like a monster in their tummy. And they would like send the girls away mm. and then they would just come back, you know, once they had the child and things like that. And the child would be left with, you know, other family members in another state, things like that. So it's just we have to work on the older generation, too. We have to, you know, they might not want to have it, but try to have those conversations and understand. Or if you see something and you're with an older person and they say something that's negative or stigmatizing, stopping them like, no, that's not, you know, negative. That's something that happens and we need to be open to discussing that. Why do you think this is negative? Why do you think, like, if somebody, okay, like you said, your example with buying a plan B or buying the pregnancy test or let's say you're in a store with your whoever that's older and they see it too and they're like she looks like she's not even old enough to be buying a a pregnancy test what is she doing Mm -hmm. would you rather her not know or know that she's pregnant so she can make whatever the best decision is for her moving forward in that it's nothing wrong with her buying that she's making an informed decision she know that either that time of the month has slipped on by or she knows that she's had you know unprotected sex or something like that and she's trying to see if she's pregnant or not and then after that she's going to go about making whatever decision that she feels is best for her 
it's nothing wrong with that. You want people to be informed. It's like people are okay with the ignorance of not knowing. Yeah. And it's like, no. The stuff is here, it's available. Plan B is available. Stuff happens. Mm-hmm. Sometimes you're in the moment and whether we say it or not, we always say, you know, you're supposed to be safe, you're supposed to do this. Sometimes it doesn't happen. You don't pull out the condom. You get right to it. Mm-hmm. Okay? You're not thinking about that. And then afterwards, you're like, oh, Lord, like, yeah. that wasn't the best decision for me, but you have an option. And it's okay to do that. So I think it's opening up the discussion to those, you know, older generations. Mm-hmm. Yeah, for sure. I think that's really important. Even to this day, um, I've, I've been in a relationship for a year and my mom will still say to me, she's like, if you give the boy you're like, she says, if you sleep over and you give it too easily, he's going to dump you. And like, it's, it's oh. a lot of like, I think it, a lot of it comes to like religious shame or trauma around that. And yeah. um, I'm really happy that you brought that up because it's not, it's not just about us. It's also about collectively informing and educating people around yeah. us to have a healthier yeah. conversation around it. Yes. Yeah. So this has been, I feel like I can talk to you, honestly, for hours. Uh, we had so many things we didn't even get a chance to get to. Um, but last point here, I wanted to ask about some common questions that you receive as a health educator around sexual health and any kind of myths or myth, misconceptions around pleasure or sexuality that we can kind of debunk right here and now. Um, well... A lot of my questions are based in like the safety piece. Hmm. So it's always, you know, well, you know, what's the time frame for getting tested? Hmm. Um, you know, what things can I use to be safe? You know, or it's always sometimes I get, you know, communication points or where do I start with this conversation or that conversation? And then that just depends on what you're talking about and how comfortable you are with communication because some people are just shy in general. So it's not even that they can't have the conversations. They're just there. And it's like, for you, you have to do what you have to do for you. But on your, what was the last question you asked? I think I asked any myths or misconceptions around sex and pleasure or even masturbation. Okay. So Definitely masturbation. I don't, that's always been like really, really, really taboo. And it's mm. like, it's you, you're doing it to yourself. Stop, like have a good time. You, like I said, you learn a lot from yourself through masturbation. You learn what you like, you learn what you don't like. You, you are able to teach your partner as well. So I will say it's, that's a, yeah, it's nothing wrong with masturbation. Masturbate all you like. It's not going to, you know, what is it? It's say if you Go use, blind. you know, because some people are, you know, they just use their hands. Some people, you know, like to add toys. And in those things, they're like, you know, it over, it can overstimulate and all of that type of stuff. No, you just do everything in moderation. I wouldn't say, you know, go on a tangent and just, you know, not go to work. every day, all day. <laughs> Please don't do that. <laughs> I would not encourage that. Balance. But definitely take the time for yourself. Um, I would say for women, 
a myth is that women don't want or enjoy pleasurable sex as much as men. That's not true. Mm. I know many, 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 many women, including myself, I enjoy sex. Like, where did that come from? Why should I not enjoy the same pleasure? You know, it's a different level of pleasure, but why shouldn't I enjoy that just as much as a man? That's not true. I don't know where they got that from, but I know that's, again, from back, you know, in the time when, you know, men are supposed to experience pleasure, women are not, women are just there to serve, blah, blah, blah. Not true. Women enjoy sex just as much. And I don't think another one is like the women, um, their sexual peak is like, you know, once they turn 30. I don't necessarily think that's the case. I think by 30 a lot of times women know their body more they understand their body more you know they've had you know different experience some some not but some have had different experience sexually so they know what they like and don't like once you know what you like and you don't like sex is much better yes hands down so i think by that time you know what you like so when you're going into it it's like okay i know what to get me where i need to be and we about to have a good time so, and then with, I'll say with men, it's always a, what's the question? Is the size matter? Uh, yeah. <laughs> that type of thing. Like if it's bigger, it's better and all of this stuff. That's not true. Mm-mm. That's not true. No. That's not true. It's whatever. I think with that, it's a lot of things because do they know their partner? Because some things, like I've said in an episode before on my podcast, some people are not going to like certain things. And that's just in general. Everybody likes different stuff when it comes to that. Well, you could have did this with 10 people. And they love it. Will give you the highest praise. And you do it with one person. And they're like, excuse me, what was that? No, no, we need to come on back (laughs) and communicate on that. Because that was not what I, you know, what I thought it would be. Could we do this, this, and this? Or could we try this and navigate back? So, and that is more so, for me, I think it's more so knowing your partner, knowing what they like and don't like, and working towards that. Just because you're, you know, overly sized or whatever, that does not mean that the sex is going to be better. Because are is the person comfortable with you? Yeah. Because that plays a big part, especially, I'm going to say for me. If I'm not comfortable, something that could be great is not going to be for me. And even, okay, and then um, you have to have an orgasm Mm. for sex to be good. While I feel like anybody that's experienced orgasm has really enjoyed it, for the most part, that does not make sex. Mm. I've had great sex and never orgasm was an experience and I thought it was great and not our, all orgasms are created equal either because sometimes it can be like oh that was very impactful and then sometimes it can be very you know weak so it just depends like I say on the experience the comfort level and things like that so those are a few that just made off the top of my head <laughs> yeah no ditto those are really great points that orgasm isn't the end goal or it doesn't always have to be Um, feeling safe is really important and also not assuming that your current partner is going to enjoy what your past partners have. 
Yeah, definitely. That's a beautiful, beautiful way to wrap it up. So Miss P, where can people find you and listen to your podcast? Okay, my podcast um, is on Anchor, um, Spotify, Apple, just to name a few. But if you use the link, I usually have a link on both my Facebook, which is uh, The Real DSC, and Instagram is The Real Deal Sex Ed. Um, those links will take you usually to Anchor, and then you can just pick from a variety. Um so yeah, those are all my plugs. Uh, my email address, therealdealsexyet at gmail.com. If you have any questions, comments, or topics that you would like me to discuss. Um, and my website, therealdealsexyet.com. And I also offer, you know, different services for individuals or groups that are looking for just more personalized, you know, health education information. I do have that service as well if you're looking into that. Amazing. Well, this was so fun talking with you. I had an awesome time and thank you so much for coming on and sharing your wisdom. I did as well. Thank you so much for having me on. I do appreciate the invite. This was, this was fun. (laughs) We have to do something like this again.